Red Glow is an everything photography podcast covering the entire range of photography from chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes all the way to modern digital photography and beyond. Be sure to visit us at www.underredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello and thank you for joining us for episode 91 of the Under Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker. I'm a full-time photographer who practices, teaches, demonstrates nearly every photographic process history, including modern digital gear and techniques. And with me in studio is my co-host, Livelay of Christine. She practices and demonstrates many processes as well and is our entry-level process and kids' class instructor. Welcome, Christine. Good morning. I think I almost did that one. <laughs> Pretty good. You it did. is morning. Well, I guess it's early afternoon now. I guess it is early afternoon, but it's, uh, well, yeah, here we are. What's going on? Not as much as other weeks lately. Yeah, I had a good, good, uh, good week. It's that's pretty much that's really that's, i look back and think about huh what did i spend my time last week doing and really not not much uh just a couple you know client projects and personal projects and uh you know updating the website a little bit uh, just kind of getting uh getting life organized figuring out some things i i had to um i had to do a write about me thing and uh, did a presentation on on Thursday of um, historical photography, and uh, and I had to write a bio, and it had to be a pretty in depth bio for for another uh, for another company. And man, it's it's kind of interesting. And, and if you if you don't have, and you know you could you could do this with a resume or a CV, but and I I'm not a fan of of writing about myself. But you know sometimes when you think you're, you know when you kind of feel like you you don't know much or you kind of feel like that man i i wish i i wish i knew more about this topic i mean actually take the time and sit down and write down what you know write down what you've done write down you know all the organizations you've worked for and all the projects you've you've worked for and i think you're going to be really surprised at at how much you you've done how much you know how much you've you know you you've you've been in front of and I thought it was fascinating because sometimes I just sit there and be like, oh, what am I doing with my life? I've got a podcast. We talk about photography and it's a podcast. And, and you know, going through that really kind of made me feel good because you kind of forget about some of the things you've done. You kind of forget about some of the some of the dues you've paid uh, with uh, with media photography or uh, photojournalism or, you know, just sitting behind a computer and and editing other people's photos and videos and, and audio. It's it's pretty interesting. And to me, it's kind of fun whenever you get phone calls out of the blue asking you to go to a new place, even though it's short notice. Oh yeah, we and... had a. <laughs> well, this uh, kind of this area, we've we've got, um, we've we've been getting so many calls from south of us because uh, uh, apparently there's a there's um, there's some events coming up, and we keep getting calls like one two weeks in advance. Oh, our tin type photographer backed out. Can you can you help us out? And it's like. Unfortunately, I've got, you know, I've, I've got a, uh, at first I, I talked to the, the, the gentleman that contacted us from, um, I'm not going to say what state and what event, but the gentleman that contacted us and, oh, we, we really need you. We, I'm sorry, but I had, um, I actually have a wedding that weekend 
and I just I just couldn't make it. It's a it's a 12 hour drive, which I have no problem doing. And I uh, I referred a uh, you know another uh, photographer down there that uh, that I I really like his work, and unfortunately he couldn't make it either. Uh, but um, it's just uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where you know we get a call you know two weeks or one week in advance to travel down to uh, you know some of those southern states and and i just can't do it i'm i'm already booked up and even if i wasn't booked up i mean we're talking the potential of of traveling you know 12 hours and and having everything set up at you know just two weeks or one week prior it's it's kind of crazy but oh well we'll talk a little bit more about that and our topic after a word from our sponsor all right christine <laughs> yeah but it's interesting it's really cool to have somebody call you out of the blue um, and enter and be so excited to introduce themselves and so excited about everything that they've seen that you've done. And, and unfortunately I have to turn them down. Oh, two weeks notice for an event that th is that far away. It's not something that you can just drop everything and go to sometimes. Right. Well, like I said, like I said, before the break, um, even if I had that weekend available, that's a pretty tall order. You know, that's, that's getting, uh, thankfully it's an out, it was an outdoor reenactment style event. So thankfully I wouldn't have to worry about a hotel, but, uh, you know, I do need to worry about getting chemistry in. I, I typically get chemistry in, um, for each event or for each month or two months of events. And I, I do have enough. I have, I have plenty and, you know, I would have to, I would have had to start mixing the stuff this week a little bit on the later side of this week, we would have had to, um, you know, make sure that, that all my, um, well, all of our, you know, obligations are, are fulfilled. And that includes, um, you know, we, we have a lot of things that we, we deal with, with, uh, public and private. We've got the, the local camera club that we would have probably had to, um, you know, get somebody else to, to fill in for us. Because we would have likely have had to left leave on on Thursday, maybe right. even Wednesday, and then, uh, and like I said, twelve hours. That's that's ideally that's you know, in a in a perfect world for us, that's two days worth of traveling back, two days down, two days back, and and we would have loved the drive, but the problem is, and and you know, the, but the problem is, it's just. It's a lot of time. And and if I, and they specifically said, they said, well, you know, we, we want you to, you know, put us on your calendar next year. And as long as everything falls the, the, the week that they say, uh, we, we already did. And, um, I told them, you know, send, send me an email, send me the information and, uh, we'll get you, we'll get you guys on the schedule next year. Apparently it's a, it's a very well attended event. And, and when they've had, they had a, a tintype photographer before that has since retired and said that, um, you know, it was actually quite a, quite a profitable event. Not that, not that we care that much about profit. I mean, yeah, if we're, if we're driving, uh, you know, 24 hours round trip to get to an event, yeah, we would like it to be a little bit profitable to keep us going. But what, what kind of, kind of makes me happier is, you know, all oh, you guys are the life of the party with the demonstrations and, you know, just sitting around and, and yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And I that's, that. that's my, that's my number one thing. I'm working on, I really can't say anything. Uh, maybe I'll say a little bit. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk a little bit about this in the after show, but I am, uh, I am working on a big teaching opportunity. I can't say anything more. I can't say anything more. I'm hoping, I hope it, I hope it works out. And, uh, that's what I've been 
that's another thing that I've been putting together. My, uh, you know, just putting together everything that I've done, and uh, and man, if, if I had gotten this possible teaching opportunity, and uh, and I've got a couple, you know, there there may be a couple doors open. It's got to be kind of that perfect thing because I I need to make sure that I can still do what I do, which is teaching out in the field, but have a possibility opening for a uh, for a teaching opportunity that is a a very 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 part time kind of thing, and on a regular basis, and uh, that's got me excited. I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, apparently Nikon has is releasing a firmware for their cameras that is so amazing. The 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 Z9. Yeah, the I Z9 saw that. that that is so amazing that some people say it's almost like a whole new camera. Yeah, for five thousand dollars, it better be like a whole new camera, uh, not the update the camera itself. I still want this camera. <laughs> Absolutely, the camera sounds amazing. Uh, video. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm just going to go down the F-Stoppers article. Maybe. Uh, early part. Hopefully you got that. <laughs> Plan to shoot uh, with the Z9. I've rolled over 100 hours of footage. This, uh, this reviewer, uh, reviewer Christopher Malcolm on the F-Stoppers website. Video updates. Uh, let's see. Uh, you probably won't be surprised to hear that the real headline features for me personally in the firmware too. Z Nikon Z9 come uh, on the video front. New .nev Nikon 12-bit RAW video format up to 8K 60p. Nice. And oversampling at 4K 60p. I mean, that's just phenomenal. 60 frames per second at 8K video. And that's, you know, that's, man, that is a, uh, that that takes a lot of, lot of processing power. Uh, I worry about these NEV files, like with any brand new camera or brand new electronics thing that makes a file. It's always the, the problem that, and I remember this being a Canon issue a long time ago. You know, you, Adobe RAW always, like took their time to get information out about Canon's RAW files, Adobe Camera RAW. And it was almost like, okay, well, did Canon not send you the format information for your Camera RAW Adobe, or did you guys, or did they not? I mean, you, you really don't know what, what had happened there, but it always seemed to take so long for, ca for Adobe Camera RAW to be able to handle the formats that the, the new Canon cameras done and and that's what i'm worried about is i'm worried about these do nev files uh, you know and it's it's not that big of a deal if you have a nikon program that's going to grab them you can you can re uh, re-export them out to proper formats like you know mp4 mov uh proper industry standard formats and and go from there which is fine but it's still another step in the process and and kind of a, a big pain in the butt Let's see here. Um, camera will now allow for more fine-tuned exposure adjustments in up to one-sixth increments. Do we really need that? Do we really need one-sixth increments? <laughs> I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, that's, that's my thinking is um, we have one-third. Well, you know, you can set most cameras to one-half and, and one-third increments. 
but uh, I, I just I just don't really know where I've I've ever had the the situation where I thought to myself, man, I really wish I could get one one sixth of an increment change in in my exposure value. That sounds that sounds a little bit on the silly side. Um, uh, the press release also mentions a new fast AF on foc uh, function, which allows you to more quickly change the racking speed when shifting focus between subjects. The artist, uh, it's not the artist, the author says, I have no idea how this works, but can't wait to try it out. Okay. Still photography. Uh, let's see. Um, top of the class. Pre-roll models. They've improved uh, AF performance. It's autofocus performance in low-light situations and new subject detection patterns for AF tracking. They've improved the viewfinder performance as well. Z9's current blackout-free viewfinder is among the best I've used in a mirrorless camera. Bla I did not know about this. Blackout free. That's really interesting. And then also in still photography, uh, they offer pre-roll modes, which constantly capture just a bit of footage before you hit the record button to give you a cushion in case you're a little late on the trigger. The pre-release button will allow you to capture potentially vital frames even before you have time to react, press down on the shutter. And that's really cool. I'm thinking photojournalistic, of course, a uh, bird or wildlife photographer's uh, Christian and I are going to a uh, to a, a major league baseball game tonight with friends, and it reminds me of the time that I had photographed um, at uh, at the major stadium here for a uh, for a men's cancer event every year, and and it just it just makes me think about that. Yeah, you know you're 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 hitting you're photographing from the from the media box, and you uh, you know maybe you just happen to to miss a little bit on on that grand slam home run it's uh it's yeah that's a that's a pretty cool thing the only problem thing that i worry about is and i think what they're talking about is you have to be half pressed you have to be half pressed down and then when you uh, when you're ready to shoot you you press you know you do the whole press down all the way and you'll get up to a second of previous shots and that's a lot of time when you think about it but that's also a lot of data and a lot of storage and a lot of photos that you're going to be going through and uh, you know is it a crutch is it is it a handicap for uh for people that that just don't have the the in uh, you know, the that haven't honed their skill to the point where you know they can they can understand where the action is and then get the get get the shot there yeah i think it is but i can see where there's some some instances like like wildlife photography i could see it and instance, you never know when a bird's gonna you know gonna launch off a tree um you never know when a you know a a, a, a blue heron's gonna reach its beak down those things are quick reach its beak down in the water and, and grab a fish and and those are those are possible times there but as far as photojournalism is concerned at least for let's say uh, major league sports, uh, you need to know what's going to happen and when and, and and what what can happen. Is the is the player on first someone that steals bases often, fast enough to steal bases? Well, then you need to be kind of ready for that. And uh, I think we've talked about that before, which is you know the the way you're the way you're using a camera and the way you're using your eyes in the camera and and keeping an eye outside the camera open. In order to 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 view the scene, that's one of the the best things that we that we can teach anybody is is don't close that eye that is not in the camera. You know, you use that as a super super wide angle lens, 
and and just be ready for it. Uh, apparently, these updates are also updating the Z6 and the, Z, the Z6 II and the Z7 II. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out. Um, it will include improved autofocus performance. Well, so good. If you any of you out there have the uh, the Z6, Z7, or we skipped the Z8 for some reason, Z9, and you get the firmware update, let, let us know. Let us know what you think about it. Yeah. There is a camera out there called the DuoVox, and this is another F-Stoppers article. This DuoVox camera is a 2K video camera with a full-color night vision display. It has 22 stops of dynamic range and a lens on it, a built-in lens that has an f0.9 amp aperture, and it says it can see color in the dark. And I've seen some samples. I've seen some some information. I've seen some uh, some basic video doodads here, and uh, and it's actually pretty cool. It's a completely very cool like night vision. Um, actually, it says what is it saying? It says uh, on on top here it says 2K touchscreen 2K full color night vision display. But here's the problem: if we go down to the the specifications, you're only shooting at 1080p, 1080p 30. So already that's kind of a eh. battery life is four hours. Although it can record for 48 hours. So I'm thinking that, you know, you've got the you've got the ability to to plug it in. Oh, it's a five megapixel sensor. It's the Stony StarViz 2 CMOS sensor. Yeah, I don't know. What I'm trying to think of what 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 where does this camera have a have a place in photography um i know the sony the sony a7s3 has 15 stops of dynamic range the company also mentions the possibility of using this for webcams and for security cameras and i think that's about it yeah that sounds like the best for something like that uh i don't have a I don't see an MSRP. Let me move down. Nope, there is no MSRP listed. But um, but I I don't know what this what this camera's purpose in life is other than man, that's really cool. I'm never going to use it. No. It it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I'm not seeing the back. Actually, I'm, I am seeing the back. There is no. There, there's not even a viewfinder on the back of this camera. It is just a, let me go back to the resolution. It's just a three-inch LCD on the back. Not even a viewfinder. Um, the lens is ginormous, uh, you know, versus the the sensor. And yeah, does it? You know, they're they're showing the, a comparison here between a regular night vision camera and the the DuoVox. And yeah, it's. They're color photos, but they're grainy as hell. This is more a surveillance kind of thing than uh, than something that will be. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it for, for still photography, but I do see it for maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, security. Yeah, that sounds like the best use for it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And then there's a lot of comments down here. Let's see. Um, what's this comment here? That's a Sony 
A7S. I mean, 15 stops of dynamic range versus 22 on a Sony. Something that's going to be much, much better suited for, for still photographers and videographers. I just don't see this being, you know, there's no, there's no way. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but um, at, at least so far, it just, it just kind of looks silly. Do I want one? Absolutely. But I wouldn't, I would never use it. You know, you know, fill out the fascination of having night vision goggles as a kid. But, but even then it's got the, it's got the three inch LCD. That's going to be, uh, it's going to be spilling light out the back of the camera. Should have had a, uh, had an option for a, a viewfinder. Maybe you could put one of those Hoodman, like hood things that go over the LCD and give you kind of an eye, eyepiece on the back. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what the price is when it finally comes out. But uh, yeah, right now I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. And lastly, before we move on to, uh, before we move on to our topic, uh, I missed World Backup Day, which was, oh, I don't know. Thursday, March 31st. March 31st marks World Backup Day, says CameraJabber.com. The one, I don't want your pop-ups. The one day of the year when we should all think carefully about how we store our digital data, especially, especially our photos and video. And, you know, this is probably a good time to to yell, beg, and plead with people. Make sure you're you're keeping everything backed up. And it can be as simple as having yourself an, an external hard drive. And if you have somebody that has a, you know, you have a, you have a parent, you have a sibling, you have a, a son or daughter, you have somewhere that, that you can put this hard drive away from your own house or your own office. That way, in case anything bad happens to that location, uh, you make sure that you are, you are protected in all your photos because I can think right now, even though I, I am a half digital, half dark room chemical shooter, uh, the, the size of our uh, Christine's and mine digital photography is just staggering. And not only digital photography, but video, you know, video work we've done over the years, it's just staggering. And um, I would th rethink my life choices if I, if I happen to lose everything. I would not be a happy camper. Yeah, that would not be a good thing. And of course, we can kind of you know just just bounce around. It, it it can be as easy as having. You definitely at least need to have extra copies. And and I see this all the time where somebody leaves all their photos on the card. The card wipes out. The card errors out. They lose the camera. Uh, they have they leave all their photos on their cell phone. They lose the phone. Make sure you're taking the time to to move those images. You can keep. Hey, look, if you want to have a full full phone camera memory memory doodad, then then that's on you. But make sure you have a copy off somewhere else. And ideally, you have two copies. Not ideally, but at the minimum, you have two copies. Ideally, you have three copies. One that's off site. And you can even go as far as, and we've talked about this before, we run servers called FreeNAS, um, but I think it's called TrueNAS as well. It's an open source free piece of software that allows you to take an old computer, and it can be an old computer with as little or as many uh, SSD ports as as possible, as SATA ports, not SSD, SATA ports on the, on the, the memory, on the motherboard as you can. Ideally, you want more, uh, 
but you can go as, as little as two and it will bring up these hard you put your hard drives in there you can put old hard drives in there whatever you want to do you put this uh, you you run this operating system on a USB thumb drive you plug it in the computer you plug it on the network you plug in a monitor and what will happen is this is an open source Linux build that will that will open up it will load and it will put up on the monitor the IP address of that computer now you can also do this you can kind of monitor your router uh, you can monitor your network and you can say, hey, there's a new device at, at 192.168, whatever. And then if you go and use your web browser to visit that IP address like a web page, it will bring up this and it will walk you through making redundant storage. And and this will, if you have two hard drives, you can mirror them. You have two, let's say you have two four terabyte hard drives and you can say, okay, well, I want to mirror. That way, if one of these dies, this software will send me a message. It'll send me an email. And then I can, it'll say, hey, look, you had a hard drive go bad or a hard drive that's getting ready to go bad. Replace it. It'll build that mirror over the other hard drive. You can go, you can go further. You can go to RAID 5, RAID 6, RAID, all different RAIDs out there, which basically mean you get a little bit more space for the amount of drives in there and you can lose maybe one maybe two hard drives before losing your data it's just how it's just how the data is redundantly striped on these hard drives and and it's a really good thing uh, our system now it'll lose two drives and we have no problem we can we can bring it back up ideally again this is redundant backup you can still keep yourself some external drives and you want to keep them backed up. And and what our, our backup regimen is every three months, we get our hard drives that we have stored off site and we switch them out. We have a drive that's here. That's constantly updated. Every three months we take and switch that updated drive with the offsite drive. We bring it back to the, to the office. We run the backup and get that one up to date. And we do that every three months. That way, again, you have you have a, a, a God forbid a fire, earthquake, hurricane, whatever. You you at least have that. And if your data is so darn important, now usually our three months of data we also put um put online as well, or we put in a a personally hosted cloud server. It's good. Let's say uh, let's say um, two months and three weeks we have a, a disaster here we're not losing three months worth of data. You just have to remember how you're keeping everything up to date so that if something happens, always think worst possible scenario at any point. But right now, I want you to think about what would happen right now if your, if your camera's memory card died, if you dropped your phone in the toilet, or if for some reason all your hard drives in your computer and laptop just suddenly no longer existed. Are you backed up? Are you taken care of? Just think about that. That's all I have to say. Some great ideas there, dear. Thank you. Almost like I've done, I, almost like I did that for 25 years of my life. Hmm, wonder why. Work on redundant backup systems. Hooray. That's what every kid says when they grow up. I want to work on redundant backup systems. If they weren't important though, it wouldn't, be as they are. <laughs> they are very important. 
Uh, we were uh, we were at a, at a at a location the other day, and we were watching curling, the Olympic sport curling, and we were talking about man. I wonder how these people wake up and say, "I want to learn how to be a curler." <laughs> I mean, it's probably the funnest thing because I tell you what, I I love watching it. We all love. We all are addicted to watching curling, and curling is like the the uh, the ice rink where they they uh, they slide those big heavy stones. And they can twist them and they can curve, almost like bowling on ice. Really cool. It's fun to watch. You wouldn't think it would be, but it is. It is really fun to watch. All right, Christine. Okay. Open up a Google window. Open up a Google window. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to type in uh, type in the start of something that's like how... Um, Type in Y, W-H-Y, film, and then photograph, photo, P-H-O-T-O, Y, film, photo. This is, a, this is a thing I've seen that's become a trend that people will uh, let Google's autocorrect kind of bring some stuff up. And, uh, and I wanted to talk about some of the results that we get. I think that'd be kind of fun. Okay. What, uh, what autocorrects do you have? I'm going in Y, film... Well, photography is the first one. Why film photography? Yes. That's a really good question. Why? Because it's fun. <laughs> but um What do you mean by it's fun? I enjoy film photography. It's fun to be limited in the shots you can get, not knowing immediately what you photographed and going into a dark room and developing the film and finally seeing it well why are you limited by film photography because you only have so many shots right so you can't just take a hundred uh, i mean a thousand shots and can't take a hundred shots either right i mean unless it was you know you're talking about the kodak's beginning camera in 1889 that would actually come with a a like like paper negatives it would come with film on on flexible paper it would be a hundred shots you would shoot them all. You would send them off to Kodak to get them developed and printed. And then they will reload the camera again and send it back to you. Right. But why? Why at the end of the day? At the end of the day, who cares about your... When 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 I'm seeing an image hang on the wall, who cares about the photographer's enjoyment in making that image? I mean, I hate to say it, I hate to say it like that, but, but it, when I'm looking at an image on the wall... Well, when I do it, I, I do. When any normal person looks at an image on the wall, are they looking, are they thinking about how cool and how much fun the photographer had making that shot? No. No, but photos are going to get better if the photographer enjoys doing it. Okay. Because if they're not inspired, if they're not out there looking for what is a part of who and what they are, mm -hmm. and they're just taking photos to make other people happy... They're going to lose their inspiration and they're going to, they're not, their photos are going to pay the price for it. Photographers are a dime a dozen. What's that matter? What does that matter to an art collector or an art lover or someone that buys a piece of art on the wall? It may not matter to them, but it does matter to the photographer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the end, the photographers that are going to have some of the most standout photos are going to be the ones who are inspired themselves i agree 
Um, you might sometimes get a nice accident um, if you're just doing it to take the photos. Mm -hmm. But to me, the ones that stand out the most are not the ones that are the perfect meet all the rules photos. Oh, I agree with that. My, my The next one on my screen is why film photography is better than digital. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's, uh, it's not. It's not. It's different. But film photography and digital photography is a tool. Now, I can tell you why I like film photography better than digital. I think digital is very sterile, very reproducible. One of my big things when I talk about the history of photography is that photography had to get around a lot of these, these hurdles that the artists and the painters did not like about it. It was very mechanically reproducible. It was very exact. It was very pure. It had no artistic sense to it. And back in the day when we had artistic sense to film photography and enlarging and a lot of the processes, we're now back. To, we're now to digital where it's, you can argue that it's no longer an art tool. It is now a reproduction tool. And the same thing with film. You know, you can get so good at film, film developing and enlarging that you can make you can make the same the same print look look the same. So the thing is, is yes, you can you can use film photography as a mechanical reproduction tool, just as you can digital. But I feel that in the realm of film photography, you have many more options to become more artistic. And I'm not talking about digital photography and throwing every photogra uh, Photoshop filter at it, uh, at the sun at it, but the fact that. Uh, you're you're not only get given a lot of different processing and developing options and uh but just the entire methodology of shooting film i think makes it a little bit more artistic as well when you can stick and we've told we've talked about this story several times before when you can pull over at a at an overlook at yosemite national park stick your cell phone out the window and and click off a photo or stick your digital camera out the window and fire off a thousand photos. That's more to me as a mechanical reproduction. If you get out, set up a tripod, look at this, this view, look at that view, pick which one you like, pick which one feels better to you, pick which one that you want to show to the world. Uh, I think that is, uh, that is giving you much more of an artistic possibility. When you're limited because of how many how many shots you can take by the film, you have to think more about it, and you have to really walk around and try your best to see what you're photographing before you actually photograph it. And sometimes you get a better look at what you are photographing when you do that. Yeah. I'm entering another... One okay. of the things I like about this search, um, further down, mm -hmm. um, I think it's about eight or nine down. It's a, it, it kind of changes the beginning and it says, why do film photos look better? <laughs> I can't answer that. That's a very good question though. Why do film photos and not always, right? not always do film photos look better, but here's the thing. No one is taking at least that I know of, no one has made an enlarger filter to make your film photos look like digital. 
No one has made a, a program that I know of to scan a film photo and make it look digital. Yet we have probably thousands of different plugins out there and different presets to make digital photos look like film. But they don't work that well. I mean, they're getting better. They are. They just, it's not the same. It's not the same. And if you've actually fought, shot film photography, you, you see the difference. I feel like, I feel like converting your digital images into a film look is like having a chocolate cake that you didn't taste. You just had the bigger butt because of it. <laughs> you didn't enjoy, you didn't enjoy the process. You just got to the end result. Are they looking better? Yes. There's a, there's programs out there. Nick's got a couple that put a, um, you know, if you, if you take the digital grain out and you put a, a film grain in there and you put colors in there or, 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 or tonality in there for black and white film, does it look close? Yeah, it looks really close, but that's not the point. The, the point is you, you shoot with the camera you want to shoot with. If you want to shoot digital, shoot digital. If you want to shoot film, shoot film. Now, of course, let me go over to here because I think this is it. I went to Google and typed is film photo. And number two is, is film photography expensive? And number five is, is film photography worth it? What do you think? It can be expensive depending on where you're getting your film from, but there are also ways of making your own film. They're, they may not be that good, but the chemicals can get quite expensive. So, well, it, it, yeah, and, and that opens up a whole other thing, which is basically, um, you know, depending on the size of your camera. Right. You know, we're not making 35 millimeter roll film here. No. Would I love to? Yes. Would I probably go mildly insane? Yes. <laughs> but the problem is, is there are several... There are several options you can do when you have a much larger camera. And we can still make pinhole cameras. We, we talk to so many people that say, oh, back in school, back in my day, and we're talking people that are even older than us, we made a shoebox pinhole camera. That is so cool. That is so easy. Kids aren't doing that anymore. I mean, of course, Kids at our workshops are doing that, but most kids aren't doing that anymore. And that kind of sucks. Yeah. But is film photography expensive? Absolutely. Is film photography worth it? Absolutely. The problem is you, you, most people look at 35 millimeter film, 120 film, and they see the price and they're like, I can't, I can't afford that. And I, and I, I feel for those people. I, I very much do. And, uh, and I can't tell you the last time I've even, even bought film. We have so much in the, we have so much in the, the film, uh, an emulsion refrigerator, but I can't tell you the last time I even shot a roll of 35 millimeter film. We've been, we've been large format for a while and you can get yourself a Kodak Brownie camera. You can get yourself some photographic, uh, black and white photographic, uh, enlargement paper and, and shoot paper negatives all day. But as far as yes, thirty-five millimeter and one one twenty film, it's it's through the roof right now. But then is but but then so is 
wet plate collodion. It's it's not that I'm not buying and shooting 35 millimeter film because of, I guess, the pricing. Because one frame of wet plate collodion or or one print from a platinum for a platinum palladium or any other process is is so much 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 more expensive than the entire roll for one shot it's just my it's just my preference of of shooting um i've i've fallen so much in love with one and done shots okay i'm i'm gonna make everything possible i'm gonna make everything right that i can for this for this shot Did I mess it up? Well, I'm, I'm 10, 15 minutes away from shooting again. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it expensive? Yes. But it, it's worth it. It is. You want to go, uh, you want to go down your list again, or you want me to continue on my list? We can go down your list. What did you type in? Well, did you have anything else? Nothing that really stood out in my mind that we haven't already slightly. Well, what do we got? Um, what do we got is is why film photography is more artistic. I think we talked about that. Yeah. That's very similar to it's better than digital. It's not better than digital. It's a it's a tool. Uh, why film photography is important. It's our history. It's where we came from. Yeah. Well, you know, the abacus is our history. Slide rules is our history. We've, we've, we actually have, have, and of course I've got a slide rule in my drawer here to my right. But the problem is, is, is it important? Yes. As far as history is concerned? Yes. But is it important that people still use and still know how to use a slide rule? No, it's not really. No. And the same thing I feel with film. As much as I love film and as much as I want to say film is important we don't need it anymore. Film photography is not needed. It is not uh, It is not the oxygen that we breathe as far as creating photography or creating videography. But it doesn't make it any less important to the people that want to make it important. And it's a way of being artistic that you can't capture any other way. You can be artistic with a digital camera. You can, but you don't get the same look. What does it matter? What if you are a photographer that doesn't care about the film look, doesn't care about you know this, doesn't care about that? But what if you are? If you are, then yes. So I mean, that makes it important to those people. What if you are a basket weaver that likes doing it underwater? <laughs> you you do it. Anybody listening to this this podcast now, I hope, is someone who who respects the art of photography as it is. They may or may not be shooting film. They may or may not be shooting digital. It is a personal preference. Again, this is a tool in order to make an image. The, the end result, the end result is, did you have fun making it? And did you make something that, that may have made somebody think or may have you know, brightened somebody's day? May have brought, brightened your day by selling a print of it. I think that's it. That's that's a weird, it's a weird, long, gigantic topic. But that's what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah. Uh was that? Uh, important uh why film photography is better is the next one. It's not. It's not. It's a different tool. Different tool. Do I think it's better? Sure. But I'm also thinking of the terms of 
loading the film in the camera, clicking a button, spooling the film into a canister in the dark, pouring in three or four different funny smelling chemicals into the, into the bottle, pouring them out, waiting, you know, X amount of minutes. I mean, hell, sometimes, sometimes I'd rather be in the dark room than out, out making images just because I, I love that part of film photography so much. It's almost like a chore. It's almost like a chore making the roles of film to develop because I love developing them and, and pulling that roll of film out from the water bath. Sorry, hit the microphone. Pulling that film out from the water bath and then and then letting it dry and and not you know and not being patient when it's drying. And okay, well let me I'm not gonna touch it as it's as it's hanging on the wire, but let me look at it and see if I can see it. Oh, that looks so cool. I can't wait. And then cutting them up. Cutting the, cutting the frames out and putting them in uh, archival sleeves and, uh, and then putting them on a light box or putting them in, uh, you know, putting the archival sleeves on a contact printer, which will give me a, a one-to-one tiny little black and white photo of every single shot on that frame that I could look at in a loop and I can decide which ones I want to print. I mean, that's, that's just amazing. Is it better? For the end result, no. But is it better for your creative process? It might be. It is for me. I admit, I love black and white film photography. Mm -hmm. I've never been as captured by the color, except for maybe Kodachrome, which you can't make anymore. But there was just something, there's just something about black and white photos on film that just capture me. All right, let's go over to is film photography. Yet there yet? Yep. Okay. Did we already do his film photography coming back? I think we did that one. Okay. Film photography. It's... We did talk about expensive. And that's that's part of it. Those two kind of work hand in hand. Film photography. A lot of our film photography stocks did go out of out of. Uh, they stopped making them, only to bring them back a lot more expensive. And and it's coming back. And film film prices are going up. It's it's getting bad. Um, the third one is film photography dead. Currently, it is not. Currently, it is not. I'm not entirely sure if if we got back to film photography quick enough. Um, or maybe, actually, I guess I should rephrase that. I think film photography came back too quick. Because here's the problem. Film photography, a lot of these stocks went out of style, um, went out of, out of production. I don't know. It's, it's, it's really tough because film photography went out, came back, a lot more expensive. And then... And then it kind of, I don't know, kind of spun its wheels for a little bit in this comeback period because slowly we're getting a lot more kids that want to go back and shoot film photography. They want to listen to audio cassettes. They want to listen to LPs. They want to experience these things that they've that they've only known one thing, which is CDs or MP3s or digital cameras they want to go back and they want to learn a lot of these different processes. Did film come back too quick for that? Is film going to, uh, are, are these kids that are now seeing film that is a lot more expensive or is that going to keep a lot of them out of, out of shooting that? 
I think it may. But is is film photography dead? No. Could it become dead in my lifetime? I hope not. But I hope possibly. not. Possibly. Could it become dead in the next generation's lifetime? Very, very possible. I hope it doesn't. Are we including in film photography, though, all the alternative processes that well, are no, I'm not. large format and such? Right so. now, I'm not. But let's, let's talk about what it requires for these alternative processes. What do, you, what, what do you need if you want to make an 8x10 alternative process print? You need all the chemicals, which I know in some countries, some of the chemicals for some of the prints, printing processes are banned. Okay. Well, what, what else do you need? You need the paper or... What's the most important thing you need to make an 8x10 contact print on an alternative process? Camera. No. Contact frame? The negative. Oh, the negative. If we lose film negatives, if we lose silver enlargement paper, what do we have left? Digital negatives. Yeah. Yes, there are ways to make digital negatives with the printer you have now on transparency material. You may be doubling it up. You may be printing on paper and then using uh, paraffin oil to wax it to make it uh, to make it as, as see-through as possible, and then you may be making prints from that. But the problem is nothing is going to be as nice and as good as a film negative. The next closest thing, we've talked about it before, is the piezography system through an Epson printer with reloaded and reprogrammed cartridges through a, a, a rip program. It's a major pain in the butt, but at least it's a lot closer to film than, you know, a regular transparency or piece of paper, digital negative. You need that. Could we see the end of film, um, film negatives and enlargement paper in our lifetime? Absolutely. In the next generation, absolutely. It, it worries me that in order to keep up with the, the manufacturing costs, especially now when inflation is just not only through the roof, but it's in the atmosphere, it may, this, may be the, this may be the final curtain call for film. And everybody's hurting. Everybody's struggling. Uh, with uh, with everything that's going on, I mean, heck, I went to the grocery store and um, the uh, the deodorant. I ran out of deodorant. Went to the grocery store, got myself some deodorant, and the deodorant I liked is three times more expensive as it usually is. I mean, that's psychotic. Same thing with film, and you're not only talking about film. You're talking about someone that that may need a daylight developing tank. They, they're going to need to get some film developer if they're not making their own. They're going to need to get some stop bath if they're not making their own. They're going to need to get some photographic fixer because you really can't make your own with that easily. All of that stuff with the inflation going on, already when a lot of people are, are hurting, they're struggling to put food on the table. Is it is it something that that you're going to be able to, to, to put money in? Film photography... By hiring a professional to take your photos or even using film photography, it's 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 not recession proof. It is it it's 
during a recession that that's a that's a, a an unnecessary purchase and while i used to think that film photography would last our lifetime this this whole recession thing is is gotten me gotten me worried because with uh, with the thing two and a half years ago a lot of companies a lot of companies closed down sad but on top of that now with uh, with prices through the roof and you can't you can't help but to worry about these companies they've got to bring their prices through the roof because that's what it's costing to do but again during a recession we're not buying those products there's another round here's round 3 of these niche businesses potentially closing and it's sad it's sad i worry about it yeah um do i want film photography to last forever absolutely but uh, I think, and, and as Christine pointed out, we have a lot of al- alternative-based processes that, that we can work with. We can work with making digital negatives. We can work with making photograms. We can take a piece of acetate and we can draw uh, using a Sharpie on that and then using that as negatives if we want. There's a lot of creative ways to do this. And right now, at least in terms of the United States, we're very lucky to be able to get pretty much every photographic chemical we might ever want. Except uranium, but, you know, I figured I'll never be able to get a chance to chat, to use that photographic process. Uh, I don't want you doing that photographic process. That'll be fine. No. Grow an extra arm, and then I'll be able to uh, develop <laughs> three three rolls of, uh, of film, film at, at one time. Uh-huh. Could there become a, a time when a lot of these chemicals may become banned? They may be difficult to find. Or you may need licenses and, and who knows. Right now I don't see anything on the you know, on the uh the the possibly extinct due to government overreach category. But it doesn't mean it can't happen in five, ten, fifteen years. Right. There's there's a lot of, of chemical processes out there that can that can kind of scratch that itch of making something different than digital. Or something in conjunction with digital, with the digital negative. And we're very lucky for that. I know, and, and as you said, I know that there are a lot of other countries that that have a lot of chemicals that are banned. Um, all it takes is is some some chemical spill that that may be a dichromate. And uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, getting uh, ammonium and potassium dichromate is is impossible. And that is, you know, that's the basis for carbon printing, Rollins oil, oil printing, gum uh, bichromate. And I believe, um, if I remember correctly, Brom oil as well. And boom, in, in, one, uh, in one, one ban of a, of a chemical, there's five processes at least that are done. It's, it's scary. Gets into his film photography, bad in the environment, bad for the environment. no. If you're taking care of your your chemistry the, the way you should, you know a lot of this chemistry is uh, is is not going to hurt anything going down the drain, but some of them some of them can, and even the ones that are are safe going down the drain, you've got to you've got to go and and neutralize it as much as possible. Honestly, I like putting it in a in a pan and uh, and letting it um, and letting it evaporate off for a lot of a lot of my chemistry. Any of my fixers, I put through a, um, it's kind of like an electroplating setup. 
and I can't remember what it's like silver magnet or something. I bought it a long, 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 long time ago. But basically, it's a it's a container where this goes in. It's got like a five or twelve volt wall plug, and I pour my fixer in my exhausted fixer. I pour that in there, and it will actually it will actually suck the silver out of it and plate this this metal rod that's in this unit, and it pulls out a majority of silver nitrate out of that out of that fixer and it makes it safe to pour it down the drain. However, I still don't pour it down the drain. I pour it I pour it in a dish, I let it evaporate and then when it gets uh when it gets substantial enough that there's there's some stuff in there, I will scrape it out. I will take the powder and I will wrap it 47 times and probably not that much and and properly dispose of it. Um that's very important because film photography can be bad for the environment. Um, silver nitrate in in the in the, the groundwater in the system, you know, in in uh, in the water system could be very very dangerous. Um, trying to think of some of the other ones, potassium cyanide can be very dangerous, and that is something that that you've got to you've got to make sure you're you're taking care of. Not only are you taking care of yourself as far as being careful with a lot of these strange chemicals, but you don't want you don't want to leave uh, you don't want to leave this earth making it worse than than you if you found it. And I know that's really difficult because we all have a carbon footprint and all that fun stuff, but the thing is that least you can do is learn the proper way to dispose of every single one of your chemicals. And right. do it. That's all. It's not that difficult. Figure it out. And Be most safe. of them, and most of them, and, and you contact your contact your local uh, your local uh, water treatment and and environmental people for your your county. Hey, getting into film photography. What are you know? What are my guidelines? And a lot of them will say you can dump all the chemistry down as long as you're not doing. You know, you're not doing commercial quantities of, of film uh, processing and, and, and paper processing. I still don't want to do that because it's still, it's still silver. And, and most of your septic systems, and of course, if you have uh, sewage systems, excuse me, because if you have a septic tank, you, have, you need to do something else. As far as I understand, septic tank, it's a no-go. No you don't want to pour any of the chemistry down there. But sewage, um, sewage usually has the filters and the and the filtering system that can handle it but again I I don't want to take that risk when I could just do a couple extra things let things dry out and then and then convert them into a, a powder that can be uh, that can be securely wrapped put in put in a container whatever I'd rather I'd rather do that if I can right that's all nothing nothing fancy well that was actually a lot of fun it was. Um, the next one is sustainable. Maybe we'll have to do a part two. Is film <laughs> photography sustainable? Is film photography hard? Is film photography making a comeback? What does store legit mean? That's uh, probably a store that's named named that. Um, but the thing is, is film photography is is here. I don't know how long it's here to stay. It's probably a good idea if you are if you're photographing used to using film. Um, it's probably a good idea if you love this, branch out, learn an alternative process or two. 
because you never know. You never know when not only you, you may need to go into something that's a little bit quote unquote alternative, but you may want to, you may find something you love. Right. Right. Well, I think that's about it for, for that. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, on any of these things that we talked about here uh, about film photography coming back, being here to stay? Is it worth it? Is it sustainable? Is it expensive? Is it better than digital? As always, you can connect with us on our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underredglow.com. And as always, your comments just might make it into a future episode. As always, a big thank you to everyone for continuing to join us. All the love and support we receive from people liking us on Facebook, subscribing and rating us on your podcast platform of choice. And also a big thank you to our Patreon and subscription supporters. We're starting at just a buck. You can get our shows early with our supporters only after show. All of that adds. Be sure to check out other supporter tiers as well, which are good for bringing you along on our darkroom projects with great rewards. All of our links can be found in our show notes and also on www.underredglow.com. And now with episode 91 down, it's been our absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under Red Glow. And if we've earned your recommendation, other photographers of any skill level or process, we would certainly appreciate you sharing us with them. A big thank you to my co-host, Christine Looker, and of course, everyone for listening. If you're listening on our Patreon or supporter page, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to visiting with you next time. Goodbye. Bye.